This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Income Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hello Maddie. I, as always, I'm excited for today's episode, particularly excited because an incredible chat coming your way. We look into the tech industry and areas that our guests find particularly interesting at the moment and trust me, they will surprise you. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> They are incredible. We are also going to get her tips on how to spot an investing opportunity in this sector, as well as how we can approach valuing tech companies. Which has historically been quite difficult, right? Like, yes. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> nope. Before we jump into our interview today, we just wanted to find one quick term so that we can all be across the conversation. Oh, what's that? The term is STEM. And we talk about STEM companies and STEM is just an acronym that stands for science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Deborah's career began on Wall Street in the early 80s at Goldman Sachs, where she spent the first 20 years or so of her career. After retiring from Wall Street, Deb became an early stage investor, investing in women entrepreneurs in consumer internet, cloud software, mobile, medical, and other industries. With her desire to create an even bigger impact, Deb founded Plum Alley with the mission to increase the amount of capital invested in women entrepreneurs and gender balanced teams by making investing in private companies more accessible. Welcome, Deb. Thank you for having me. Now, Deborah, we start the episode in a similar way every week so that people can get to know you a little bit. And the first question we start with is, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? So the best thing that's happened to me this week is we actually reached a big milestone in my company. And we've now invested $40 million across 23 different companies. Oh, wow. And I still remember back to the early days when we were just getting going and convincing others to join us and to, to own their role as an investor. And, and so all of a sudden, here we are. And it's not been easy. It's been many, many units of work and many days, but very exciting to see that milestone. That's a great one. Congratulations. And Deb, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? You know, I over the years, I've thought about that and I've had different people that I wanted to have dinner with. But I think right now, the person I'd most like to have dinner with is Kathy Wood. <laughs> and I will tell you why. Because we have a very similar investment thesis. I've been interested in frontier technologies for a couple of decades now and and sort of watched the internet evolved, watched a lot of these new technologies. 
And I just see the potential of what they could do in the world, which is massive. And Kathy Wood has a similar investment thesis. She focuses on public markets and public companies. But I think it's really fascinating that we have, you can have the same investment thesis in private companies and also track them all the way through to when they become public companies and then invest in public companies with a similar breakthrough. I think I would love to be a fly on the wall with that dinner. (laughs) Maybe I'll come to (laughs) you. Well, that that would be great fun, and I, and I think it's you know it's it's one of those bizarre things where you don't often see women geek out on things <laughs> like technologies and what technologies can do, but I can imagine that we would have a gin and tonic and really totally geek out, like shut our eyes and say, <laughs> what could the world be? And I would imagine we'd see a completely different world than what we know. Mm. mostly enabled by technology and medical breakthroughs. And then our final question is, if you could be a stock or company, who would you be and why? I've fallen in love in the last week or so with a company called Playform. And it is a company that where you can create NFTs, so non-fungible tokens, and you can actually create art. So you go on this website and you can either upload a piece of your art or a photo of your piece of art or draw a new piece of art. And then you can overlay filters on it and make, you know, for instance, if you had a photo of yourself and you wanted to say, okay, I want to see what Picasso, how Picasso might paint me. So there would be (laughs) the Picasso, you click a button and there would be the Picasso version of you. So fascinating, but what's interesting about it is you can then take that digital image and you can upload it to a non-fungible token, which can be bought and sold on the market. Well, Deb, I have a little bit of a confession because Sophie and I answered these questions about a month ago now, and I actually said that if I could be a stock or company that I would be Plum Alley (laughs) because I just love what you guys do so much. So for anyone who is listening who doesn't know, how would you explain Plum Alley in your own words? Sure. Um, Plum Alley is an investment firm, and what we do is we give access to people, we give access to investors to invest in really high quality, early stage companies. And we also support women entrepreneurs in the STEM field. So we um, make investing fun. I like to say that investing (laughs) should not be uh, boring or disassociated from your core and who you are. It should actually be fun. And we make it fun. And how do we do that? We make it fun by doing a lot of the hard work and the heavy lifting. So we go source and find great companies. We probably look at 50 companies for everyone we select that meets our criteria. And then when we find one of those fabulous companies, we present them to our investors. And so our investors have the opportunity to meet the best of the best We do a lot of, um, used to be in person, but now Zoom sessions with the founders. So our investors actually get to see quality companies and they get to meet those founders and hear the vision of those founders. And then we take our members through 
the sort of business case and the economics of why these are good investments. And then our members have the control and the power to invest or not. There's no requirement to invest. But what we found over the, the five years we've been doing this is a number of potential investors, we call them emerging investors, come in and they join, not quite sure what they want to do. And then they see these amazing companies. And when they see a real company and they can relate to what value that company brings into the world, it's an easy process to say, I want that company. I, I want that solution to climate change. I want that solution to better food. I want that solution to a cure to cancer. So they get excited and they say, wait, this is my hard-earned money. I want to make money. And I want a seat at the table. I, I want to be around the future. I want to be around these founders. I want to be around a group of other very interesting, high-powered women investors. About 80% of our investors are women. And so it becomes a fun process. And then over time, you watch those companies progress. We have a number of companies that we think are going to produce massive returns. So you, you even make money at it. And why shouldn't investing be like that? So you're talking about a couple of things. You're talking about criteria. You're talking about some of these amazing companies. What are some of these companies that you're investing in? And I guess, how do you decide which companies to invest in? Yeah, so we have a very um, well thought out investment thesis, which we didn't have on the early days. But over time, we really perfected this investment thesis. And what our opinion is that these new emerging frontier technologies and medical breakthroughs will dominate our future. So if, if you believe in that, which we do, you always want to go where the future is going. You don't want to, to look behind and you don't want to be an incremental change. So by an incremental change, I mean... Do you want to be another dating app or a dog walking app or whatever? Probably not. There's, you know, you could probably do well at that. But if you really want to see change in the world and if you really want to pick big market opportunities, you want to go with newer technologies. And so one of our criteria is these companies must be a frontier or healthcare medical breakthrough kind of company. So very important, big stuff. And leveraging technology, either existing technology or building new technology. So that's our first criteria. Second criteria, must already have some kind of a product. So we don't do ideas on a napkin, you know, early stage, angel, first money in. We don't do that. Other people do that much better than we do. So we like to see companies that have already raised a little bit of money, built a prototype so we can actually kick the tires and say, oh, we get this. We see the potential here. And in many cases, our companies already have at least one paying customer, maybe more customers. So you can see the outside market has validated the need for that product and are willing to pay for that product. So those are criteria. We also... Um, Every single one of our companies has at least one woman in the founding team. And so many of our companies are teams of men and women, but all of them have at least one woman. And why do we care about that? Because we think 
the diversity of opinions, the different perspectives between women and men are absolutely critical to form really strong companies. And we know that women's brains are different than male brains. There's, there's a lot there. And so, and women are huge controllers of their families, the food their families eat, the healthcare in their families, vacations, electronics, car purchasing. So of course you'd want to have women at the table when you're developing new products and you're leading companies. So that is all our criteria. We like series A level. Um, and, you know, when we first started off, people said to us, are you sure there are that many companies with women in the STEM fields? And like, are you sure you're going to find enough companies? Well, let me tell you this. We have a database of over 9,000 companies today wow. Wow. that meet our criteria. So we pay sources for information, but we also have collected for five years our own database from talking to women, women founders, other investors, and we track these companies. So, and then, you know, what happens is we, we focus on the top, you know, handful of companies and really drill down deep into those companies to see what we think. Um, but there's no lack of great companies. There is no lack of women with brilliant ideas. I want to touch on that a little bit more because I read a stat the other day that said in 2020, just 2.3% of VC funding in the US went to women-led startups. So I'm interested to hear in your experience, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a nagging problem. And that number has always hovered under 5%. Some years it's a little bit better. It was actually a little bit better right before COVID than COVID hit was worse for women during the COVID, women entrepreneurs during the COVID period. So why do I think that is? I, uh, a couple of major reasons. Number one, who controls the flow of money? So when you look at who staffs, who are partners, decision-making partners in venture capital firms in the United States, that number is basically also hovers around 5%. It, it seems in the last year or so to be getting better. But what happens when you have predominantly men at the table, when women come in and present, there is an unconscious bias or maybe even a conscious bias. And so women, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a room of you're the only woman in a business context, but there is a dynamic that happens. And you know, I, I think that's one of the issues at play. Also, most venture capitalist firms in the U.S. find their deal flow and opportunities by going to their circle of friends. Right. That network. Their network, right? And so if there's an open position in their venture fund, where do they go? They go to their handful of friends and they say, hey, do you know anybody we're hiring? So who are they likely to, to bring in there? And the other thing is these, these networks are really powerful. When you think of PayPal, and I'm sure you've heard, you know, over time there's this reference to the PayPal mafia, <laughs> which includes Elon Musk and others. So these were the original men who were at PayPal. And obviously PayPal is a highly successful company. They made a ton of money. 
and they all went off to other ventures. Well, what happens, they all still know one another, they have money. And so when they wanna raise money for their companies, they go to their same network of people. And if you look at the data, those networks are powerful. Those networks include people giving money to other people, seeding their venture funds, um, creating tech products that fit with somebody else's tech product. And women have just not been in those circles traditionally. Mm. They've been in other circles, but not necessarily those circles. So we need to change that. So pretty much what you're saying is that we need to make a plum alley mafia full of women networks. (laughs) I'm going for it. We are. We we say that the minute one of our companies, which hopefully we're projecting in the next two years, one of our companies goes public and we have massive returns. Mm. We want that headline. We want that headline. Like, okay, we su- women stepped up, we wrote the check, we helped fund that company, now that company is successful, and we're going to turn around and strengthen our network. We're going to do even more. We're going to support other companies, we're going to mentor each other, we're going to talk up each other, and we're going to, we have to build it. Yeah, have to build it. Well, I think when you say PayPal, you know, PayPal was a very disruptive company when it um, first started, you know, what was it, maybe 20 years ago? I don't know the exact dates, but it seems like a lot of the companies that you're investing in are also so disruptive as well. I mean, I was reading on your website, there was a company called Air Protein that makes alternative meat made out of CO2. Like, how does that (laughs) even happen? (laughs) Yeah, fascinating. All of our companies are fascinating, but I, I'll talk a little bit about Air Protein and then a couple of the others. So Air Protein, actually, the, the woman PhD founder um, was watching rockets go up into space and NASA and said, well, wait, how do you feed people once they're in space? And that was like a big deal. And there was some money invested to try to figure that out. And she saw that technology that was abandoned by NASA, but she saw that technology and said, wait a second, I want to do that for food on the planet. So she captured that technology, spent a few years developing it further. And basically what it does is it takes air and captures air and then through a fermentation process, turns that air into protein. So protein is now, amazing. I mean, imagine that, imagine that it's like I can't. everywhere and, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's like, that is an amazing discovery. So mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. If, if you want to be investing in things, you want to be investing in things that are massive and are game changers. And so that's an amazing company. We also invested in a company called Open Water, which the woman PhD founder there actually ran a lab at MIT. And then she worked with Sergey Brin at Google on a couple of moonshots. And then she also worked at Oculus at Facebook. And she was watching LiDAR technology. So it's a technology with light. And it can actually penetrate various things, including the blood brain barrier. So 
she was watching this and she thought, well, it's kind of interesting. Okay. If you want to build goggles and Oculus and see an alternative world, but why don't we actually use this technology for good in the world? So she realized you can actually create a wand, a machine and a wand and look in your brain and do a version of a CT scan or MRI to find out oh. what's happening in your body. And she figured out it doesn't have to be a mega machine like what we have today for, you know, several million dollars and, yeah. you know, huge, huge equipment. You can actually do that with a relatively small machine and a wand. So that is her invention. And she is now doing stroke detection in a hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. And her goal is to have her technology put in every ambulance. So you think about all these mm. remote places in the world that don't have the money or the, the CAT scans or MRIs. So how do people find out what's going on in their body? And, and it's a better body scan. So it's revolutionary, absolutely revolutionary. You know, MRI machines, they're so big, they're so costly, and they're, like, they're quite limited because they are so big. So the, the thought that that's something that could be accessible to so many more people in a much you know, easier and more accessible capacity, such as an ambulance, is just, that's incredible. I know. Well, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but we'll be right back to hear more from Deb about what are some of the biggest trends that she is seeing in the tech industry at the moment and how to value a tech company. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we've spoken a little bit about the tech industry already um, with some of the companies that your um, company invests in. So within the tech industry, are there any sectors or any trends that we are seeing at the moment or that you're particularly interested in? Yeah, I think... You know, technology is fascinating because it's always changing and things are being built on other things. So it's definitely a moving target. And and if you just think of like the internet, the early days of the internet where people did dial up and, you know, we didn't even do transactions and now what you can do in the internet. Well, technology is just like that. You know, trains out of the station, it's just going to move in one direction and there's going to be more functionality. And now with mobile phones and the proliferation of mobile phones, you know, it's accessible quite broadly. But what I think is, I personally see is that companies are using more than one technology. So right now there's no such thing as just an AI company or a blockchain company or a machine learning company or a healthcare company. Now every sector 
and every company is really looking at components of all of that. So you can see now a lot of the uh, what we had during COVID with remote visits with doctors and so forth. That's technology. You can see it with the Apple Watch and the Aura Ring and other physical devices that monitor your health that also report into your doctor. So that's a convergence of technologies. It's hardware, it's software, it's internet enabled. And so I see that a lot. And many of our companies, I'll give you a good example, Acoma. Acoma is a company, it's based in Silicon Valley or uh, San, the Bay Area. And what it, it's a company that invented a piece of hardware that can be put in roving vehicles. So think of Google Street View cars or Lyft cars, and their technology is a hardware. But what it does is actually captures air and measures the air on 17 pollutants real time. Literally can tell you what's in the air block by block because it's you know moving around in the vehicles and captures that air and it's real time. So it can tell you what you're breathing right now on that street. And so that's hardware, also software, because it captures that, analyzes what's in the air, reports that back through the internet to a platform, and then does artificial intelligence and machine learning on the data that's collected. So how would you define that company? Would you say it's a climate-related company? Is that a hardware company? Is that a software company? Is that an AI company? Is that a machine learning it's a little bit of all of that. And, and I think that's what we see, that you can have these companies with different technology aspects, more than one, that makes them much, much more valuable. Because if you're one piece of that puzzle, you're not gonna be as valuable. But by having all of that and those different pieces of technology working together, you create massive value and things that could not be done before. So I think the biggest trend is there's no such silo, one type of technology over there. And you think of NFTs, uh, you know, digital assets, uh, cryptocurrencies, those are all based on blockchain. So they're not blockchain companies, but they use blockchain. So I just find it fascinating that these sectors are you know, there's there's no such thing anymore as just a healthcare company. It's healthcare tech or health, you know, and, and, and we don't quite yet know how to put the labels on these things, but it's really the convergence of technologies that bring huge value. Yeah, we also talk about a little bit when we're looking at in companies to invest in and when you're looking in the future, you kind of say to yourself, okay, I might be investing in, you know, a pretty core company or a blue chip or, you know, let's just say a bank or something like that. But you do need to look at, okay, what technology are they implementing to make them a better service or better product? It's not just their core business, but, you know, are they acquiring tech companies to make them better? Are they using new technology? so that they can provide new things to their customers. Um, I think it's one of those aspects that you do look at when you are investing in companies. Yeah, especially old line companies or, you know, traditional companies. You know, what we've seen through COVID and otherwise is every company needs a digital aspect. One thing that we often hear people saying, and I think this is especially the case in Australia where we love our dividend income and we love to see profits, 
is that tech stocks are overpriced. And, you know, a really popular example in Australia recently where we have Afterpay, who is not making a profit, but the share price gets up, got up over $100 before it got acquired by Square. So I'm interested to hear your approach or if you have any tips on how we can go about evaluating the potential of tech stocks when I guess it comes down to like distinguishing between genuine value and then just being overhyped because that was something that was very common about Afterpay in particular is there are a whole group of people who just said oh so overhyped so overhyped we really struggle to understand what the value of that that company actually is yeah the whole subject of valuations is very tricky and i think historically there were sort of rules that worked and you could apply and you could do multiples you could look at a whole bunch of companies in a sector and you could compare them to earnings, to market pot- market cap, and, and otherwise. So I think historically, it was a lot easier than it is today. But I think with some of these newer companies and newer technologies that have not existed before, it's very hard to put a number on it because you're comparing apples and oranges. So, you know, people do their best to do, you know, science around this, but there's a huge element of art that also has to go into it. So, and we look at valuations all the time. Every single company that we've invested in, we've, we've considered the valuation. We've considered, okay, where could the company go? Where could the valuation be in the next couple of rounds? And I think one of the things that we've learned is you really have to appreciate the potential. You really have to get your head around what could be. And then you have to discount that because there's some risk into the future. You don't know (laughs) if that's going to materialize. But if you don't start off with this could be massive, this brings so much value. Like ACLIMA could potentially affect every person on the planet. Open water, you know, that, that does the, the remote body imaging. That could potentially affect every person on the planet. And, okay, so that's where it could be. What is it today? What have they proven today? What have they de-risked? What still is a risk factor? Where do you have to make a leap of faith? And so it's an art on the leap of faith. But if you see the potential... And they, that factors into the valuation. And there's no right or wrong here. I mean, I've, I've seen 10 times over. People said, when Facebook first went public, everybody said, no, that's ridiculous. I would <laughs> never do that. And look at, look at their growth. The metaverse. Look at where, <laughs> I mean, all of it. So I think we've all been humbled by thinking we can use these traditional formats. And I think the traditional formats work in traditional companies, but not so much in new companies. I think you have to think out of the box. I think you have to really look around at data points and say, what could this be? And and there is now history and things coming out of nowhere and becoming huge. Clubhouse is one of them. Not that I you know, support that, but that came out of nowhere and look at it. Like, so these things happen. And I think we have to not be surprised, be skeptical, but also when you believe it, 
stick with your guns. I guess you've spoken a lot about what you can see in these companies, but you know, do you have any tips for the everyday investor like Mads and I for spotting opportunities in the tech space or in this space in general? Well, I would always say use your own instincts and and believe your believe your eyes. Like Canva's a very good example. So I guess three or four years ago, whenever, and our team internally at Plum Alley, we were trying to do an invitation to some event we had, and like, you know, we had to get a graphic artist, and it was like so time consuming and so painful. And then I discovered Canva, and I was like, this is amazing. Drag Mm -hmm. and drop. And I thought to myself, I remember taking it into the team and saying, we have to use this. This is going to save so much time and it's so much better. And I always thought this would be an amazing company to invest in, but it wasn't US based. We didn't have any connections or whatever. And like, look at it today. And, and I think like that is the thing, especially for women. Like if you see a product that, you think is has a lot of value and maybe you share it with a couple of other people and they also think it has value that is where to start because it's your own your own knowledge of of seeing the potential and being a customer like if you're a customer and you like that especially women they will tell their 10 friends so if you like it yourself, that's that's a really good indicator. And by the way, you don't have to, and Canva's a good example. You don't have to understand what's underneath the hood. Like, right? You don't have to understand everything they do, you know, behind the scenes and, and how the tech is built there. But you do know the user interface, your experience when you go to that site or other sites. And that's huge. So I, I always say to investors, you don't have to be an expert in technology. You, you know, you have, to, you have to look at the team and assume they are the experts and they're credible. But what do you see? And, and do you see value there? And that's where you start. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff like how big is the market and their marketing strategy and brand. But you know, if, if you get the product, you're, mm. you know, on first base or second base, really. Do you know what comes to mind when you say that and they IPO'd very recently is Olaplex. It, it feels like, like when you're saying those things, I'm like, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> so maybe I need to go and look more into that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and, and that's really great because I think the, that's the thing about technology. It's, it's like, these are new things. And you know, we are the customer. We are the customer. So we have a point of view. And your point of view may not be with your investor hat on, but as a consumer, it's really important because, and it's also, by the way, generational. So things that would work in a certain generation may not be, you know, your traditional venture capitalist may not get it, you know? So I think it's exciting. I I honestly think everybody has something to bring to the table around investing and may not be dollars at the moment, maybe in the future, who knows, but you all have an investing point of view that 
it's not reserved just for those high paid people on Wall Street. You know, it's, it's, it's like there's the world is changing and products are changing and technology is evolving. So a lot more people are actually in the know than they appreciate. Well, Deb, I think that brings us nicely to the watch list. Each episode, we have been asking our guests to add a stock or company, news, trend, industry, whatever you like to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. But we're not financial advisors, and this is just for educational purposes. So what are you adding to our watch list today? I guess I would add OpenSea which is the marketplace for digital assets, NFTs, um, which I think is, I think everyone should dip their toe in the water. I guess pun intended. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I think this whole world of digital assets is here to stay and it's going to grow. And I just think everyone should dip their toe in the water. I did that recently. I literally bought some Ethereum and Bitcoin mm-hmm. on Coinbase, just a small amount, mostly to experiment and see see how it works. But then I wanted to buy an NFT and I had to create a an Ethereum digital wallet. So I literally wow. <laughs> was on with one of our interns like saying, how do I create a digital wallet? Now I bought... <laughs> Ethereum here, how do I get it to my digital wallet and how do I buy the NFT? And we literally spent an hour on Zoom trying to figure out how to create the account, how to transfer to the wallet, the whole thing. But that is what you should do. Every The, the world is changing so fast and, and like just go play around with it. Go create. In fact, our company, I think for our holiday party this year, we're going to have a a arts and crafts kind of session where everybody creates a digital <laughs> asset or a piece so of work cool. or a drawing that. and we're going to turn it into nfts why oh not God. because how else how else how else are you going to learn this so and and you know i just think it's exciting and and you gotta you gotta you gotta stay current if you're not current you're out in left field and that's really my worry for so many investors and people like the world is moving very, very fast. So Mm. you're either going to be in the know, you don't have to be an expert, but you're either going to be in the know, or you're going to be out in left field. Mm. I think I love that the whole that you're doing it as a Christmas party so that you can learn together, because especially in the digital space, it's really hard to get your head around when you're first kind of understanding it. And you need, like, I remember at work, I had a work colleague teaching me about the hard wallets for digital assets because she, you know, bought all sorts of coins and I'd never, but I was just watching her and I'm like, oh, that's what you need. Like you need someone to like literally explain it. It's so hard to understand in the first instance, but fascinating nonetheless and I think it's great that you put it on our radar because the more the people can think about it as you said you don't have to be an expert you can just be in the know so our last question today is what would you say to someone who has some trepidation about starting on their investing journey I would say you have a lot more to bring to the table than you know today and in a very short period of time you will see that so your own 
brain, your own life experience, your own ability to think about risk and return and what what you want to see in the world and how you react as a consumer or how you see value is absolutely critical. And, and you basically have that today. You have that today. It's maybe not a honed skill, but you come at this immediately bringing something to the table. Now, traditional investors and, and, and Wall Street and others would dispute that and say, you know, you bring nothing to the table. And in fact, they need to <laughs> hold on to their position, right? Position of power or whatever, authority. And so I would just say, like, you know, it's your money. You have the right and the capability to direct it to what you want. And don't let anybody scare you away or tell you no, particularly yourself, because our identity as investors have been somewhat hijacked away from us. Like, so just say, not going to take that and, and just, just do it. Cause it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Like women have no trouble in particular with philanthropy. It feels good. I'm a, you know, give to this nonprofit, give to this and do good in the world. Well, you should have the exact same feeling about investing. I just invested in open water. Oh my gosh. They're going to bring this, you know, body imaging to the world. And oh my gosh, ACLMA is going to give us the data we need to cure air pollution. And, and you should be excited about that. So it can, investing can be excited. It shouldn't be a chore. Mm. Well, Deb, it has been an absolute joy chatting to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I know Soph and I have gotten a lot out of this conversation and I'm sure our listeners will too. If anyone wants to find out more about you or Plum Alley, is there anything that you want to plug before we head off? Yes, I would just say to go to our website, it's plumalley.co, not a .com. And if you want to reach out to me, if you're interested in becoming a member, investing, we also have a fund. If you're interested in becoming an LP in the fund, reach out to me directly, Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, at plumelli.co. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Deborah. We really appreciate it. Great. And I hope you guys like do more of this because it's so needed in the world. <laughs> we will keep going. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Incredible chat. I would personally recommend going to check out the website because honestly, some of the companies, they have a list of companies you can click onto them and it gives you a little wrap up of what they are. And it's so cool. I am so glad that our manifesting to get Deb on the show <laughs> worked because that has been one of my favorite episodes so far. I'm feeling very inspired about all the opportunities around investing and I guess how you can invest your own money in like startups and things that are going to make a real difference in the world. It's mm, really exciting. Exactly. It doesn't have to be boring. Now, as always, we will be putting more info and more explainers and everything else onto our Instagram, YIGC podcast. If you have any questions from today's episode, jump into our Facebook group and ask away YIGC investing podcast discussion group. And if you've really been enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review because it helps people find us. People like you find us as well. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.